good to be here together this morning. Amen. Let's be seated. I'm just going to share a few uh, events and things for us to be thinking about. Uh, the first one, I'll let you know that I am, my name is Grant. It says it right here. And uh, for those of you who are maybe uh, visiting with us for the first time, uh, we, once a month we do little name tags. Uh, for my, it's solely for my benefit because I'm really bad with names, and so it's just for me. Um, no, so we can, you know, have that one time on to get to know people's names. Names are important. Um, uh, and I'm a pastor here at New Song. I don't usually play the guitar, but I get the, the pleasure of doing that today with these fine musicians. Um, as it says over here, uh, our desire is to follow Jesus, love people, and do good, and we believe that in that process, as we are seeking Christ, uh, as we are um, developing what it means to love our neighbors um, and, and do good, uh, we will be transformed by the Holy Spirit, sometimes in surprising ways uh, over time. Uh, and most of the th all the things that we do here are, are trying to fulfill that, that mission. That's reason for the name tags. You know, it helps you to love a person if you can say, hey, Bob, or whatever it is that their name is. Also, afterwards, we're having soup. Uh, first Sunday, kids are in the, the, the worship center, name tags, and we have soup. So some lovely people have made a whole bunch of delicious soups for us to stay to eat afterwards. So please stay afterwards. And next Sunday, after our gathering, uh, we're doing what we call New Song Explored. And it's for anybody who is interested in knowing more about the heart of this community, this church, and what it is that we prioritize, you know, what we believe God has us doing in our community and what all that looks like, and then how you might participate, how might this be, might become a kind of vibrant part of your spiritual life. We want to be a resource, but we also want to be people who are side by side uh, working for the kingdom of God together in a multitude of ways. So that's next uh, Sunday uh, following our worship gathering. There is a sign-up sheet if you would like to uh, attend that. And one thing on the sign-up sheet is if you have kids, you can indicate how many kids you have. Um, so if you think you might want to come, uh, get signed up for that so we can organize childcare. There also is a lunch. I should have said that first. There's lunch next Sunday. And it's a, is it a special lunch, Nancy? Is it special? Is it the pizza sandwiches? It's pizza sandwiches. These things are like... Please don't come because I get to take all their leftovers home. And those things are like, oh my goodness, they're so good. So that's next week. Uh, and then I want to announce Friendsgiving. Josh Koya, who's uh, preaching today. Uh, on the 16th of uh, November, students have their Friendsgiving time. And they're all, all encouraged to invite friends. So if you know any uh, middle school and high school age kids, um, let them know about this. We've also invited as we're going to hear in a little while, uh, the 200 or so kids who come from the schools on Thursdays for coffee and some time with us, we uh, Josh gave it like 175 flyers to them. So we don't really know what's going to happen, but we're prepared for anything. We're going to feed whoever comes. Um, finally, I just want to uh, mention our giving. Um, we, we want to be really transparent about everything that we do and all that we do uh, requires us to all be participants in it. Um, on the back of the worship guide, we keep a running toll of our budget, our needs for the week, and, and what we've been receiving and what we've been sharing. So 
uh, take a look at that. Um, if this is something that you uh, are not used to doing, if you ever want to talk about giving with myself or with Josh or with Melody, Pastor Melody, uh, please do because, you know, maybe even just you've got, got in a kind of routine of doing that, but you want to kind of recapture what it means to, to support ministry and mission in God's kingdom. Uh, and if you've never done this, you think this is a weird thing that Christians do, why are they always asking for our money? Then I would say, come and talk with us because it is actually a very life-giving uh, process in our lives about sharing our resources that God has blessed us with. So there's many ways that you can support the ministries of New Song Church. And what you're doing is supporting the people who are in the chairs around you as they minister. Uh, that's what we're doing together. Uh, did I miss anything, Josh? Am I good? Okay. Uh, I'm going to pray now as we enter a time uh, in the Word. Um, let's pray. Father, we give you great thanks for the breath that we breathe this morning, that we were able to make it here this morning. And it's no accident. Thank you, Lord, that you're a God of intention. And you are a God who acts, who speaks. Lord, may we discern this morning that you see us, you know us, you love us, and you do not want us to leave this morning without being captivated by who you are, encountering you in our hearts, in our minds. For those who are weary, who feel brokenhearted, who are grieving, may they find comfort this morning. For those who are celebrating, who are joyful, may they find a place of thanksgiving. Lord, knit our hearts together as we come around your word this morning. And I pray for Josh, Pastor Josh, as he shares with us this morning. I thank you for the work he's done in preparing for this next half an hour or so. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak through him to our hearts and minds that would provoke action in us. Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Good, good. A lot of energy this morning. You guys got an energy? Anyone? No? Oh, man. Just so you know, every more, every Sunday, we start at 9.30. We have a coffee bar out there for your enjoyment. You can get some caffeine. Get ready to come in. Be active. It's going to be great. So, uh, yeah. So this morning, as Grant was saying, uh, we are going to be continuing on in the series that we're going through 100% on mission. Um, and for those of you that have been around New Song for a while, you... You have maybe made the connection that the series is, uh, is correlated with and structured by our mission statement that we have on the wall over there, to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, to follow Jesus, love people, and do good. And last week we heard from Grant about what it means to follow Jesus. And he started off talking about um, even the very beginning of following Jesus, right? Where Jesus intentionally called people by name called them out of the things that they were doing, the things that they identified as, and physically asked them to follow him, right? The first people who followed Jesus, like, actually walked with him, right? So that's a, from that all the way to at the very end when we were talking about tangible ways that we follow Jesus through, through other things like the garden and these other ministries that we have and what that means. 
And today we're going to talk about loving people, and next week it's going to be doing good. And we're going to wrap it up with what we believe to be the foundation and the most important piece of all of it, and that's that we're transformed by the Holy Spirit. But, but a mission statement, one thing with a mission statement is about being on mission, right? And mission has movement. So there's things in our statement that are actionable things, right? Following Jesus, loving people, doing good. Those are intentional those are good. We aren't emphasizing works or anything. We're saying, hey, if, if we're on mission, we're moving. But we believe and we trust and we rely on the fact that none of it comes unless we're transformed by the Holy Spirit and that comes first. And so we're really excited about this. Today, as I said, we're going to talk about loving people. Um, and, and so we're going to define that. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And I was like, loving people, this is an easy one, right? You hear that? Like, that's everything. And it's all love, right? This is, but the problem with easy ones is there's just so much content. And you guys have so much, like, view on this already that these easy ones turn out to be pretty hard work to figure out how to express it. So before we talk about loving people, I think we need to define what is love. No one said, baby, don't hurt me. I was waiting for it. I gave you, I lobbed it to you, making sure you're awake. All right, so, so we're going to talk about what that is. And how we're going to do it is we're going to uh, just talk about things we love. So I'll go first. One of the things I love, if you, uh, you might know this about me, my wife and I, we love fall. We have an inaugural fall day where we aren't allowed to engage anything that's fall before that day. And then we pick that day. And then it's pumpkin everything. I'm pretty basic. Like, I'll just, Trader Joe's is like my place on um, fall. So I love it. And, and I also really love the season that is to come. We aren't in it yet. Christmas season is later. Because I'm one of them staunchy, like, let's celebrate Thanksgiving and give it its honor type people. Some of you, some of you, all the Christmas people, like, my house been decorated for a month. I don't belong here. Like, no, no. We love you. You belong here. Uh, totally get it, because I love Christmas, too. I love those things and all that it represents. Um, but enough about me. You guys, give me some stuff that you love. Just yell it out. What do you love? Apple cider. What was that? Who yelled in the back? They're embarrassed now of what they said. It's cool. We'll come back to you. You can get... What else do you love? Grandkids. Yeah. What? Rain. Nice. Horses, family, food. I love food. Whoever said food, amen. Vacation. Good. All right. Oh, real quick, real quick. We'll pause. Puppies? Of course, puppies. Yes. Um, we're going to pause real quick. Uh, are there any, any kids in the room? Let me find it. 18 or under? Any people who are 18 or under, raise your hand. Good. All right. You guys, what do you love? Hit me. Flowers. Nice. Basketball. All right. Big... Huh? Anything else? Kids, kids, what do you love? The color blue. Solid color. Yes. I love it. Yeah. It, honestly, if, if, I, uh, if I were to ask my kids the, this question, they would put it in order of importance, and it probably goes something like this. It would go toast, uh, spidey team, and probably like bacon. I mean, I don't even know that mom and dad make top five. Mom would, dad wouldn't, but that would just be where they would go with it. Uh, and also, parents, if you're a parent here and your kid's here, uh, one thing I want to say is thank you. Because we do this intentionally. 
Every month we have the kids in the service because we think that there's a lot of value, value for our community, value for the kids to see these adults in their life worship God, engage it. And and, and I know as a parent myself, it's not always easy. It's difficult. You might even think like, I don't know about those first Sundays, but thank you for being here and engaging this and bringing them and, and participating And last thing I want to say is that we commit to pray for you because you are exhausted, whether you say it or not, because I'm exhausted. And and, and that's what this family is about. There's no greater joy that I have than when I see my church family love on my family family. It's a very beautiful thing. So thank you for being here. Thank you for participating. Appreciate it. So today um, we're going to be talking about love And love, defining what love is, is tough because we talk about all those things and really what we're saying, we need to engage this. Our culture has created this view of love and it's pretty much just because of our language, right? We have one word for love. And so anything that you you like, it's a spectrum, you like things. But when it hits a certain line, you just say love from that point on, right? And, And then we try to define love more. Is it an action? Is it a feeling? And if that's true, I'm pretty sure bacon's love because the action of eating it and the feeling I get. So we're good, defined, sermon done. Um, But we try to define it. Is it an action? Is it a feeling? What do we do? And today as we go through scripture, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4 if you wanted to start to get there. We're going to ask the questions. We're going to try to answer the questions. What is love? Where does it come from? What does it look like? And what does this mean about our faith? And what does this mean to our faith? So I'm going to read through the passage. It's a shorter passage. I was nice to myself this weekend, did that. Um, It's chapter 4, verse 7, and we're just going to go through 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So this passage that we have that we're going to go through, it's in 1 John. And 1 John's a really interesting book. I feel like it's one that if if you are in a part in your faith, not you, someone you know. If someone you know is in a part in their faith where they're just like really confident, maybe we would use the word arrogant, um, then 1 John's perfect because it knocks you down a peg. Also, on the flip side, if you're in a part of your faith where you're struggling and you're not sure and your footing feels loose, 1 John brings stability and it brings like assuredness. It's this weird book that brings you from the extremes and brings you somewhere into the center. And I appreciate it for that. And I think this passage does the same. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. This is like the most, like, if you ever have like the thesis sentence or statement at the beginning of something, that's what this is. It pretty much tells us what to do, right? Uh, so we're supposed to love one another because love's from God. 
And it's an outpour of us being born of God and knowing God. Cool, sermon's done. Let's go eat some soup, right? We're good. No, not so much. Um, but uh, it's one of those things, and it starts off uh, pretty direct. It gives a command. Here's an interesting thing about a command. If he's commanding us to do something, or a group of people who are following Jesus to do something, that means there's the proclivity to not be doing that thing, right? That, that there's people who are following Jesus who aren't prioritizing loving people who are engaging this aspect of their faith. And the other thing that it does in this first thing is it clarifies the origin, and this is so important, and we'll spend the next bit of time unpacking it. The origin of love is God. The origin of love is not us manifesting the right, the right feelings or the right actions to do something, but the origin of love is God. And that's really, really important for moving on and, and how we function. The verse 8 says, If anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And we hit this tension, right? We hit this tension in this passage that's like kind of harsh. If anyone does not love, they do not know God. Now, there's two parts to this, and, and one of the parts is that I think that we view this a little bit in the wrong mindset and just are, are, are normally how we approach Scripture. But the second piece to this, too, is anyone who does not love does not know God. This isn't an imperative. It's not saying you have to love in a certain way for God to know you or for you to be in relationship with God. What it's clarifying is it's saying anything that is love it is coming from and flowing out of who God is. And I think that we have the view of this where we kind of get a little pulled back or we get a little offended by this passage because I guess if I ask most of you in here, if I'm like, how many of you love uh, very well or perfectly? Everyone you come in contact with. Maybe not perfectly. How many of you... Like, love uh, some everyone. How many of you effort or just adequate, right? Like, even if I keep bringing it down, most of us keep our hands down the whole time, right? And so what do we do with that? Because that's a pretty big indictment if we struggle with that. There's a book um, that some people read prior to getting married. Um, it's called The Love Languages. There's five, right? Am I right? Right, five love languages. I should know that. Luckily, Lindsay's not in here. She can't get um, So five love languages. And it's a really good book. The whole premise of the book is that there's this reality that if you love, um, you love and you receive love differently, right? So you might show love and receive love differently as one person, but also most likely whoever you're with, your partner, is going to love differently than you. And that's really, really good to know, especially when you're entering into a relationship and marriage. It looks like this. It looks like, you know, you're, say you're newly married and you get off work and you're like, you go home and you're like, I'm going to get everything set up and ready and you're working and you're getting stuff done and you're setting stuff up for the next day and you're putting everything together. And by the end of the day, you crash out on the couch, exhausted, but kind of happy because, you know, you just loved, loved your person as much as you could. And you look over and they look upset and you're like, what's wrong? And they're like, I'm fine, which is the worst thing in the world. Um, and you're like, no, seriously, what's wrong? And they're like, 
I could have just, I really kind of needed to talk, but you were too busy today. Do you see the love language difference there? That your act of service, you're actively loving someone, but you're missing it because what they needed wasn't what that was. And I think this speaks into this passage because we critique ourselves and we don't raise our hand if I say you love well because you aren't viewing yourself as to whether you're loving at all. You're viewing yourself compared to how you've seen other people love or what you expect love to be. And sometimes I think it's an unfair comparison. Verse 9 says, and this is the core of everything, in this love, um, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. That we might live through him. So this is what love is. If you want to know what love is, it's that God sent his son as a sacrifice. That, that God sent his son into this world to love us. And he loved us by doing something very specific, and that thing is called the gospel, right? That God sacrificed and had to fix something that was wrong. And he loved us in that way. And what the gospel is for those, uh, it's never bad to repeat it. What it is, is it's, what this is talking about is that Jesus came. And the reason that he came is there was the separation between us and God. And that separation was a problem. And so Jesus came and we celebrate his birth soon, right? We celebrate the fact that he, he experienced life limited as a human, as a baby. And he lived his life, this perfect life. And, and from the last three years of his life, we have more focus on it. And in those three years, we see movement. And he was on a mission and he was moving somewhere. And where he was moving and what he was pursuing is death. And in the process, what he was doing is he was dragging and compiling upon himself the fullness of sin, every sin that you have committed and will commit because there was a problem. And what I love about the Passion of the Christ, if you've ever seen it, there's a part where Jesus gets to the top of the hill and, and, and he falls down out of exhaustion and they're getting the cross ready where it needs to go. And they don't put him on the cross. He turns over and he climbs onto it. Because no one killed Jesus. Jesus pursued death. And he got hung on the cross. And in that moment, God turned his face away from him. And Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? And with his last breath, he said, it is finished. And he died and the world went dark. And the next couple of days, it was darkness and stillness and sadness. Until he rose again. On the third day, we celebrate that for Easter, right? And he rose again and he proclaimed his victory over death and he communed with his disciples and he ascended into heaven. And, 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 he, and this is what it means that he loved us. And sometimes I think when we hear this and we read these words that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him, we, we minimize it when we think of it in the, in the realm of sin. It, it was a sin issue. That people, all of us, we're yucky people and we have yucky sin on us. And, and you know, Jesus needed to clean us up so, so that we would be palatable to God. 
And there's a big part of that that's true. We are redeemed. That relationship, the brokenness has been fixed. So God redeems. Now God redeems, but there's more to that in love than just redemption. Because we see in this that we live through Jesus. When he rose from the dead, he didn't just fix sin. He fixed sin when he, he was that substitutionary sacrifice for us, right? When he rose from the dead, he birthed in us something new, and that thing is hope. Scripture says that we should always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. Not the theology, not the, the verse memorization, not the systematic doctrine, but the hope that lies within us. So love has an outpour of hope. So we have hope. And the very last thing, and this is really important, that love results in purpose. It results in an edification of someone. For someone to be able to step into what they were created to be. We have kids in this room right now, and the fun thing about kids is they're kind of quirky, they're kind of goofy, they're a little bit weird and stuff like that. And they're entering into stages of their life where the world is going to do its best job to conform them, to make them into what is acceptable. And, and they're going to do their, the world's going to do its best job to do that. And you as adults know this. That as you pursue Jesus, that the rest of your life is the effort to try to take off all the things that the world tried to conform you into. To re-sit and re-live in the beautiful thing God created to begin with. And it's a process and it's something we do all the time. So love results in edification. We see in this passage... In verse 10, it says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as the propitiation for our sin. In this is love. In what God did is, is love. That he sent his son. Not that we have loved him, but that he loved us. When we're trying to look at love, when we're trying to figure out what it is, sometimes I think we look around and we see how other people do this religion thing. We need to be careful with that. We need to be careful not to do that because that's not the origin of love. The origin of love is actually what God did to us, not what we do in our praise and our worship, as beautiful as that is. But that's wavery, right? <laughs> that, that shows itself a little bit different. So again, we're reminded that this comes from God. In verse 11, it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If it's true that God is present, if it's true that God sees us, if it's true that God knows us, that he cares for us, one of the beautiful things is like the different love languages, right? He meets us where we are. We don't have to be something new or something different. If these things are true, then we ought to love one another. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about this thing uh, in a book that I read that was called Gift Envy. 
So, so we have in, in the church, we believe that God has gifted us with certain inclinations and certain capabilities, and, and we see that in one another. And what we do is we end up seeing the ones that are more visible, and we're like, man, I mean, I know I might have a gift, but that one's way cooler. I kind of wish I had that, right? So we think of that. But what is a gift? What's the purpose of a gift? The purpose of the gift, the gift comes from, uh, was built into us because we were created in God's image. It reveals an aspect of who God is. The full purpose for our gifts is what we're talking about today, and it's love. That the outflow of us utilizing and investing in and purposefully engaging our gifts is loving other people. It's literally revealing the character of God. That's the purpose of our gifts. So when we look at this, when we see uh, that if God so loved us, that we are to love one another, I think that we need to be careful in our comparisons. We need to be careful at the beginning, right? Not to critique ourselves in such a way to where we're like, oh, I must not even know God because I'm really not good at loving people. Man, you see me on the freeway. It's a bad situation, right? Like you just, you feel this way. But I'm going to tell you a secret, and this is the hard part. This love that it talks about, we have one word, Greek, um, which the New Testament's written in, has multiple words. Three of them that they're most used are phileo, eros, and agape. And phileo is a brotherly love, familial love. Eros is an intimate, passionate type love. And agape is the perfect love, the complete love, Right? The unconditional love, it didn't exist prior to Jesus. This is a word that is used to describe God and describe Jesus. It's that type of love. And that's the type of love we're talking about. That's what we're talking about when we're loving other people. And the thing with that is it's really, really hard. And it takes work. And what I hope this morning is that I can clarify what some of that work is. And some of that work is to not discredit yourself. To not be like, I'm already terrible at this, because you'll just stop out of the gate. But also some of the work is to look outside yourself and consider that other people's love language might be not acts of service, but words of affirmation. And maybe that changes something. The last verse says this, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. It's really important for us to remember that no one has seen God. Our faith is important. And there's a faith aspect to this religion thing. We haven't seen God. We haven't seen him. So there's a part of, if we just knew everything for sure and had empirical evidence in front of us of every part of our faith, it's not faith anymore, it's knowledge. And faith is important. It says that we're saved by grace through faith, not by works, right? Right? So faith is the, the mode of which our salvation comes, right? Like, so it's important. We haven't seen God. But if we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. There's parts in scripture that whenever I read it, I'm like, that sounds wrong. Um, and this is one of those parts. I'm like, isn't agape perfect? Isn't it complete? Isn't it unconditional? What, what's the saying here? And what I think it's saying here 
is not that the love itself was lacking anything, but the love has a purpose. And the purpose is a mission. And in the same way that sanctification is, that that's made complete when the mission is moving forward. And God's mission has, has, has a piece to it, and the piece to it is the church, is the individuals that are in this room. And so his love is made complete when he loves you in such a way that you move that forward. When he loves you in such a way that you are redemptive in what you're doing. That, that out of the outflow of hope that you have in your heart that spills out onto other people. Redemptive in a way that, that you are edifying people and setting them up to be the person God created them to be. That's what it's speaking about, it being perfected. It's like a hammer is sanctified when it hits a nail, right? Because it's, being used, it's actually being used for what it was made for. That's what this is talking about. Love has a purpose, and that purpose is a mission. And this mission is something that we're on together. So if I could have, I need someone to come up real quick. Let me pick. Nora, you looked at me first. Sorry, get up here, Nora. Let's welcome Nora. So I did this because Nora's smart, and I need someone who's smart. Not that the rest of you students are super smart, and I love you, but also adults. Uh, okay, so I need you to picture something for me right here. Uh, and we're going to wrap up with this, just so you know. Uh, this, what is this? Marker, pen, good job. Okay, so what I need you to do is I need you, you just stand right there for a sec, you're good. I need you to picture this like it's just a picture, like I'm a picture, ready? Click, see? So two-dimensional, all this is two-dimensional. All you see is this. So what shape is this? Well, rectangle, yeah, okay, thank you. Um, yeah, like a rectangle, right? I mean, I know it's rough, but it's a rectangle, okay? So good, you, you guys kind of agree it's a rectangle-ish, right? from if this was a picture. Yes, raise your hand if you agree. Good, the rest of you are sleeping. Awesome. So Nora, uh, same thing. Look, picture, click. Awesome. So from your perspective, if you're looking, what shape is this? A circle. Okay, so hold on, pause. Stay right here. Who's right? Now, normally I would say the collective is right, right? Because like the majority that there's something to that, but Norse really smart. So I don't know, you guys might be wrong, but you can go sit down. Thank you. Round of applause. Mark. So who is right? We, we have to ask that question. I've been doing something else. And for one, my handshake, just so you know, so that's why it's a little bit wobbly, but there's dots on this board. Picture with me, if you would, that this board is God. Now, I know God's infinite, and there's no way you can fit it on a board. I get that, so theologians, calm down for a second. But just picture this as God. Every time I put a mark on the board, it's when I said something about who God was. And I believe this. I've thought about this and how we view God. Because I think, can we afford God the fact that he just might be kind of big and bit too big for us to understand? That maybe sometimes this is all we see of this when we're trying to get God. Now, some of you, as Grant said, the older saints in the room last week, right? Uh, you have maybe some more dots here, right? So you've been around a little longer, so you kind of know what's going on. So you maybe have a couple more dots. And maybe so much so that those dots 
And you can start to fill in the gap between the dots because you have a lot of data of who God is. So these lines aren't going to be straight. I have shaky hands. Let's just move past that. Um, that's not part of the example. So you might connect the dots between the lines. And you might be able to create a little bit more of a picture. And that as you do that, as you live life, as you've experienced things with God, that you start to paint this picture. Now, most of you saw a rectangle, your rectangle people. Now, if I said, this is God, and I asked you to describe God, almost everyone in this room said rectangle because from your perspective, it's a rectangle. Now, that's fine. And this is actually a beautiful example. Most of you get taught each week in, in this service or with people and you experience life. So there's going to be some consistency to who you see God is. But this is really, really important. What if someone like Nora comes in and doesn't have the same background and the same context that you have? And, and I ask both of you, her and you, to tell me, this is God. Look at God. Tell me what God is. And she says a circle. Now, this is really important. Because loving each other isn't as simple as being kind or having a good action or serving someone. It takes a lot of effort. It takes considering that how we view God, how we experience love with God might be different than how other people experience love with God. Now, this is dangerous a little bit too because there's a collective here. So circle person, Nora walks in and she sees and she's like, oh, I always thought of God like this, but, but they, they love God in this way. Maybe I'm wrong. Or, or, or I've, always, I've always experienced God in this way, but everyone experiences him in this way. Maybe I'm wrong. I go to this church and everyone just seems so like, like together and they have it and everything's good. And I just, I'm really struggling it's probably because I'm wrong. This passage that says, if you don't love God, this is what it means to love God. I thought it meant this. I must not actually know God, right? I must not belong. And it's important to know that because again, I asked both of you to look at God and tell me who God was and you did your best to do that. But when we're in a collective, when we're in the same mindset, it gets really easy to start tying other things in to who God is and being loved by God. It becomes really easy for a circle to look at a rectangle and it's like, oh, all of them kind of have this moral view. And I hold this view. Maybe I don't, maybe I don't know God. All of them have this, this stance on this, this topic or this issue and I have this other stance. Maybe I don't belong. All of them act in this way or, or, or pursue these, these things. Maybe I'm wrong. Now, this isn't just important for the collective to be aware for the circle people, but it's also important for you circle people who are in this room who have maybe felt like you don't belong already. For you to say, it's okay, I'm pursuing God, and it looks different than I see other people around me but also maybe that's because they experience God differently. 
See how there's this mutuality necessary in loving each other? Because loving each other isn't a moral obligation. It's not a religious check mark that we're supposed to go through. Loving each other is not a piece of our faith. It is everything. Jesus, when confronted by the Pharisees after the Sadducees failed, was asked what the important commandment, well, most important commandment was, and it says, "You shall love the Lord your uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind." This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Everything hangs on this. Everything should go through and filter through this. Church structure, program, what it means to be discipled, what it means to have spiritual disciplines, that none of that matters if it's not going through the lens of loving God and loving other people. And what is loving? It might look different, right? Depending on your gift, it might show itself differently, but there's core tenets. Is what you're doing, what you're saying, redemptive? Is what you're doing and what you're saying coming from an outflow of this hope that can't come from anywhere but from Jesus? Is what you're doing and what you're saying edifying? Is it setting up the person that you're engaging to more deeply live into the person that God created them to be. Because that's the work we're called to. We have this mission statement, and, and it's just words without Jesus. But with Jesus, it's the most important thing in the world. And none of this exists without love. And love isn't just being kind. It isn't just feeling the right feelings. Love takes work. It takes self-reflection. It takes grace. The most important part of this passage in verse 9 is when it says that, uh, that God sent his only son so that we might live through him, right? The only way this is possible is that we're doing this through Jesus. So there's got to be pieces of grace to this and mercy to this. And it's hard work, but it's so, so valuable. The example of the kids in the room, and we're going to end with this, so, uh, oh, we aren't doing communion right away. I almost brought you up for communion. Um, I believe this to be true, and this is really hard having kids, too, is that if I were to ask you, all the adults in the room, how much of your faith journey is removing all the things that the world has told you the trauma that you've experienced from a broken, fallen world that you lived in and trying to re-grasp what God created in you to begin with. So much of our faith is that. And some of these kids, some of these students in this room are at the front end of that. And one of the best things for them is to see people later stages in life practicing this, even failing at it, because that'll give them the hope that when they turn into an adult and when they're really bad at it, that it's okay. That when they're over here being a circle or some other weird shape, because the world's weird, that they realize 
oh, that's okay. That's okay for me, it's okay for them, and, and I want to lean into this, because as long as we're both looking and trying to describe this God, it's okay. This is big work. It's important work. It's valuable work. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to hear a little bit more about how this has played itself out in, in ministries and in things that are going on in this community. God, I just thank you. I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for the lives that you created, for the examples of your character that are represented in them, from the gifts that they have. God, I pray that you do a mighty thing in and through individuals in this church. Not for our sake, but so that people can experience a hope that only comes from you. Lord, that you start to knit us together in the messiness of mission. That you allow us to not be satisfied with just being where we are, but continually moving toward what you have for us. That we see each other and know each other deeply so when we see brokenness, we can step in and speak truth. When we feel brokenness, that we can, we can lay that burden on another person. That we engage the messiness of loving people, not because it's an obligation, but because it, it's what you have called us to. And there's so much joy that comes from being on mission with you. So God, I thank you for the adults in this room, the older saints, the little kids that are in this room, for examples for us that we have in our life. And Lord, I pray that as we continue on in this series, that you clarify more and more what it means to be on mission and that you would equip us to do so in each stage that we're at. We give these things to you in your name. Amen. So at this point, I would like to bring Grant up, and who else is coming to start? Cecilia. Cecilia. Correct? Yes. I think it's just Cecilia and you and me. Oh, okay, because you're doing the other. Yep. Yes. I'll get Cecilia's mic. So this has practical implications hopefully for what we as individuals do, but also collectively and kind of institutionally in our community. Um, so every week, we're tying something about our ministries to one of these statements. Uh, last week, we talked about following Jesus, and my talented wife, she hates when I say stuff like this, who is playing drums today, by the way, um, leads currently our garden ministry. With a whole bunch of other people, uh, Shelly and Karen and people I'm going to forget, uh, Catherine, and who else? Who else does garden ministry or works in the garden? Yeah, you guys. So last week it's about following Jesus, and we discovered that this garden over here is a wonderful place to go and encounter Jesus in the lives of other people who, who now use our garden. We grow food for our pantry, but we also just have folks in the condo who come over because it's beautiful over there. And inevitably, we'll get in a conversation, and we're like, hey, this is interesting. God, what are you up to with this person? And we're starting to know people more and more and more. And it's kind of a neutral space, you know, to get to know people. So this week, we're talking about loving people. So we thought, you know, this is something that is all of us are called to do. 
but also our ministries kind of model some of this in a way that we can see and learn from and then each actually experience. Sometimes it's hard the first time to go, how am I going to love my neighbor? We actually are doing some things that you can participate in uh, that can help you to start to get your, you know, your uh, training wheels off perhaps, right? Like riding a bike. So we'll mention a few of these things today and something about uh, love is that it is active and it calls us out. And we believe that in this world, God is already working in people's lives all around us, behind closed doors often in every building around here, there's conversations happening. And God calls us to come out of the church into our community with the name of Jesus on our lips and in our hearts and we can start to make some connections as people grow to trust us and, and see something in our lives that is significant. So the first thing I'm going to talk about, and then I'm going to hand it over uh, to these guys, is San Dimas Retirement Center, which is a building beside Target in San Dimas. And we don't go kicking doors down. Uh, we, we're not, you know, aggressive in this way, but God is amazingly good at giving us opportunities. And what happened one day in the office, Nancy in the front office got a phone call from somebody uh, from the center uh, asking, can someone give me a ride to church? So we're like, ding, radar, right? That's a spiritual conversation happening. And his name was Farid or Fred. He is, grew up in Iran uh, had some very tragic things happen in his life. He's not here with us this morning. Oh, I'm meant to move. There we go. Thanks. I shouldn't even say what's on the board. But yeah, so Farid uh, has had a stroke. And so I actually was so busy that week that I didn't get back in touch with him, which was really, really bad. But he's such a forgiving person. He gave me a second chance. So we just went out for lunch and we talked and then we started giving a ride to church. And then Ken Dalton over here got involved and started driving people to church. And then I met the person who has the activities. And I said, hey, we could do a little like worship thing sometime because the residents were asking for it. And there was nothing currently happening in there. So for months now, we've been going every single Wednesday morning at 10.30 a.m. to San Dimas Retirement Center. We basically just do a church service. Um, folks who cannot get out of that building at all different uh, places of uh, physical ability, whatever. And we do, like, we sing songs, some of the old hymns, we do communion, we have a little message, uh, and we have a chance to pray with them. So God just like called us out. That's, you know, love in action. He says, come out of the building, and these people need you to be alongside them. So it happens at 10.30 on Wednesday mornings, and any of you... If you are free at 10.30 and would like to come and visit San Dimas Retirement Center with us, you're welcome to do that. Because uh, Ken, we talked, right? Ken said to me, I'm kind of new at this, right? It doesn't necessarily come that. You want to share a little bit, Ken, about your experience? Do you want to? You're new at this too. Just a little bit. How's it been for you, Ken, going to the retirement center? Because you just stepped up. You just said, I want to I wanna help. Well, I uh, viewed it as a uh, opportunity to grow in my faith and in in my uh, ability to uh, talk to strangers, evangelize a bit, and uh, it certainly has worked out well for me. But for the uh, for the old folks there, that 
really in, enjoy the service and enjoy the fact that some people care about it, them enough to come and see them every week. It's a very joyful thing in my heart and it's a big help for me in my walk. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. It is beautiful. I, I've, had some, I've had some significant moments of like, oh Lord, you are so good. You know, uh, just being there in that place. And God called us there. So the second thing we're going to talk about is uh, Thursday. What happens on Thursdays here in the garden? Anyone? Thursday. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Thursday. Uh, Thursday, each of the, you've probably heard it because we've asked for chips or creamer and stuff like And it sounds silly, but um, it really is a big deal. So Thursday, again, just if you haven't heard, the origin of it was Marissa wanted to give coffee to some parents that wait for their kids across the street. And it was one of those things that just did not work because parents don't like to talk to other adults, I guess. Um, but kids are like, I like free stuff. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, okay, I guess you can have the coffee. And then over the last year and a half now, I think as well as the consistency, and that's one thing that uh, there's certain people who are just blessed with that, and that's Marissa. She's just like, I don't care. We're consistent. Yay. No matter what happens, we're going to love on these kids. Um, and so she did that, and it just built and built and built to hundreds of kids come across the street now on a Thursday to get coffee, to get snacks, cake pops, whatever, um, and this really beautiful thing. And actually, there's a quick, before Cecilia shares a little bit, uh, there's a quick time lapse from literally this last Thursday. So you can kind of see a little bit of what this looks like. That's us setting up. like 30 minutes yeah, of, right? of, of hectic. Yeah, it really is too. It's like it's overwhelming, hordes actually. of kids come and it's just like nonstop and you like, like trying to hand out the flyers like Grant said. I'm like, blah, 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 and then like circling back around. But it's just this crazy thing and we get to know them and all of that. But I'm going to let Cecilia share a little bit now. Hello. Um... So what a privilege. Um, thank you for letting me share because this is a big deal for, for me personally. Um, about 20 years ago, I was teaching. I was an educator at San Dimas High School. And um, I, I, I taught there and I looked across the street and I noticed a building being built. And I thought, oh no, another office building. <laughs> And then I, I was, I, it was one of my biology classes I was teaching, and a student came in. I said, does anybody know what's going on over there? And, and they're building my church, they said. They're building my church. And I just said, you know, praise God. So I, when I walked out to the parking lot, I said, Lord, let that be. It was strategically placed, right? 
between a high school and a middle school and a college, right? And, and so I said, Lord, let that reach our babies. Let that reach our children. Let that, please. Now I get to fast forward. I wasn't part of a new song. I came about five years or so ago. Fast forward 20 years, and here it is. We're reaching out to those wonderful children who are under probably more stress than we, a child of the 60s, right? And, and 70, have, are under. But we're loving on them so that they get to know us and we can build relationship with them. And as, as Pastor Josh was saying, they come. There was 200, we've had 200 kids come just to socialize with one another and we get to be part of that socialization, building the relationship with them, with our, our office staff, Nancy and Linda and, and Marisa. We couldn't do this without Marisa. I, you know, you need to honor her. She's over there. She puts it all together that makes it so easy for someone who's not staff to come in and just help out. And, and I know, I know, it's a blessing to them, but you know what? It's more of a blessing to me. It's more of a blessing to me. So I thank God for the opportunity that New Song has given me to reach out to others. And I pray that if you're available on Thursdays, we have Alexis, I've seen Alexis come over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's a, and the middle, and the middle schools are starting to come over. And I thought at first, I asked one young man, I, I go, what year are you in? And he didn't know what I was talking about, right? Because they don't do years in middle school, right? And, and I realized, oh, he's, he's in the middle school. I said, what grade are you in? I'm in the seventh grade, and he came one time, and, and my husband loaded him up with candy, and I said, you know, we're going to hear about this. And, and anyway, I better make this short, but anyway, the next week he comes, and he just comes and peruses the snacks and looks, and he goes, hi, do you remember me? And I said, yes, I do, but I couldn't remember it. I said, what's your name again? It's Robert, but he's... it's. It's there where we start making those connections. And we ask questions and we chat. So we're so grateful. I am so grateful for what New Song is doing and allowing me to go and be part of that. And I pray that you will think about it too. Amen. Thanks, Cecilia. Yeah, um, so just briefly, there are lots of these things happening uh, where God has invited us into places. Uh, well, Thursday is at uh, 3 o'clock to be around if you want to come uh, participate. But the last thing is Charter Oak Mobile Home Estates, which is that way, right? My direction is all very off. So uh, there's a, it's a over 55s park. It's a city-run thing. It, it's... Uh, so many people over there, and from, from four years ago when I first came here, it was just clear we needed to go. And actually, Catherine's here this morning. Catherine? Where's Catherine? Booth. Catherine Booth came one Sunday, sitting out there and said, would you come and do a Bible study at Charter Oak? And I was like, well, I don't know if I've got time for that. 
No, I was like, yeah, I'll be there. So for four years, we've been doing this Bible study, and we've got to know all the people in the park, and now it's just blossoming into relationships to the point that uh, on Thanksgiving, uh, they're doing Thanksgiving uh, in the clubhouse, and Ron and I are actually going to go to Thanksgiving dinner uh, at the clubhouse. So we've, we've had a few conversations with people who don't have anywhere to go from New Song on Thanksgiving. If you don't have somewhere to be on Thanksgiving, five o'clock at Charter Oak, and we'll announce it more closer to the time, we're going to have Thanksgiving dinner with the residents of Charter Oak, and then we're going to take some food around to the shut-ins in Charter Oak that same day. So lots of stuff happening. God is working. He's calling us to love people and giving us opportunities to do so. Yeah. Josh, thanks, guys. Yeah, so at this time, um, I'd like to invite the band back up, too, because we're going to enter into a time of communion. Um, Coming off of this, uh, again, it's really, um, thank you, Uh, coming off of this in this series, um, there's things that center you, Uh, but one of the things that we realize as a church that there's a risk of is when you do something consistently, it can turn from consistent to monotonous. Um, And we know that. Uh, But we want our best to continue to explain things. And we're going to enter into a time of communion. And um, I don't know, do we have someone for the front too to come up? Yes. Yes. If anyone, uh, if you were asked to help serve, would you? Keith, thank you. Um, And me, yes. Um, So, uh, All the stuff that we're talking about is not made possible if it weren't for what Jesus did. In the middle of me talking today, there is this thing that most of you have heard over and over and over and can feel monotonous. And even when I started saying it, you're like, Josh, heard it. Can we fast forward? And that's the gospel. That there was a problem in between humanity and God, and he redeemed that through Jesus. And that's what we proclaim with communion. We proclaim a new covenant. We proclaim a continuation of God pursuing his people as Jesus did this in the time of Passover that, uh, and he redefined it as a new thing. So at this point, I would ask you if you wouldn't mind coming down. There's elements in the front and in the back. Come down, get your elements, hold them, and I will come back and lead us through it at the end. welcome anyone to take communion this morning as a declaration of your desire to follow Jesus and if you're not at that point at the moment that's fine you can just remain seated consider what you've heard today
unable to get up for craft communion, please raise your hand. We have people that will walk around and bring it to you if anyone needs that. I want to make another note as well and just reference it to parents as your kids are in here. You should have got a note as well addressing communion and the kiddos and stuff. If you have any questions with that, please find me or Grant afterwards. We would love to discuss that with you. As I said, Jesus was sitting with his disciples at the Passover meal, anticipating, knowing, considering what was to come, what I said, the passion narrative that we, we hear about. And as he was sitting in that moment, he understood that there was a sacrifice that needed to be made. There's a word called propitiation in the, this text, one of them big Christian words, right? That very simply means satisfy. There was a price that needed to be paid. There was something that needed to be done. And Jesus didn't just deflect it. He didn't just wipe it away. He didn't say it wasn't necessary. That the fullness of the wrath of God was sufficed and satisfied in the sacrifice that he made. Not so that we could be better people, but so that we can experience the living God. And that's what we proclaim in this. He took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. Take the bread. Later on, as they were continuing their meal, he took the cup and he said, this cup represents a new covenant that I make with you. Pour it out in my blood. Let's take the cup together. God, again, we're grateful for this community. We're grateful for your love that allows us to love other people. That you call us to purpose, that you call us to hope, and that you redeem us. We just give all these things to you and trust them to you in your name. Amen.